Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. How's it going, man? What's new? Well, it, it could be going better. Uh, we've lost three things this weekend. We lost the match against Seattle. We also lost our head coach, Josh Sims. And we lost Stan South to retirement. So, a lot of losing this weekend. <laughs> we'll talk about all that in just a second. But if there's any silver lining in any of that, it's that we're still in the playoff chase. Somehow we are still in second place. It's true. We haven't lost that. That we have somehow miraculously held on to. Well, they say bad things come in threes, and then you know it, it turns around. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, the news that broke last week about head coach Josh Sims. Uh, he's going to be uh, leaving Old Glory at the end of the season, taking a Ford's coaching position with Zebra in what is that? The URC. Yep. I gotta imagine, you know. Certainly a big surprise. Good for him, right? Like that. It seems like it'll be a step up for him. But that's got to weigh on the players a little bit. What, what was your take when you heard the news? Yeah. Well, the the interesting thing about the news is it broke last week for us. It broke on Monday. Um, Goldberg by America's Rugby News to spot that and um, report on it. But it actually broke a couple of weeks ago for um, in New Zealand because he was also still the head coach of Hawks Bay in uh, the NPC and so which happens during the MLR off season so presumably his plan was coach MLR in the spring and then NPC in the fall but then they announced a couple of weeks ago that he had resigned as head coach and so the players probably known for the last couple of matches that he's he's out as the head coach and of course, it'll serve out the remainder of the season, and obviously, Oklahoma DC's in the playoff push here. But you know, we don't want to start thinking about next season because they're still in the middle of this. But I mean, if let's take that exercise. If you had to think through who Oklahoma's next head coach would be, do you think it's domestic? Someone in MLR? Are they going to look overseas again in the MPC? Any any insight there? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that they're. They're in the position of looking for a new head coach less than a year after hiring a head coach and going through that whole search. And so they probably do have a fair number of names who just didn't work out the first time. Or I know there were some coaches last time who were very, very close to signing on the dotted line before, you know, this, that, or the other came up and, and they didn't. So it's possible some of those coaches, they they've still got their contact information and maybe they're in a better position to to join this time. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, it would be great if they could get an American coach. I mean, Nate Osborne is still out there, still available. Um, Sean Pittman, who coached Utah to their first playoff appearance, he's, he's still out there and could be a good option. Um, but there's also a chance that they'll just, you know, dig up some some guy in the NPC like they did last time and you know, it's hard to argue with the results of that. I mean, Sims came out of nowhere, but he was, he's was he been great and seems likely to get us to our first playoff spot, so you can't argue with that. Yeah, it certainly has been a great turnaround for Old Glory DC compared to last year. I'm going to throw one name into consideration, a guy who's been kind of maybe quasi part of the coaching staff now, 
And of course, we're talking about here uh, Stan South, who sadly had to announce his retirement from professional rugby after AKP did. The doctors basically told Stan you know, he had that, I guess, was it a back injury early in the season in week one, out for the season. When we spoke with him a few weeks ago, you know, I, I didn't get a sense that he was calling a quit on his career, and maybe, you know, he was still going through the consideration process. Um, you know, but let's 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 talk about Stan for just a moment and his decision to step away from the game. I can't imagine that was easy for him. Yeah, must have been tough, and especially he's not that old. He's a he's just twenty six, and that's that's a, it's tough to get a season or a career ending injury at, at twenty six. I do sort of wonder if his injury is recoverable from like he could maybe a year or two off and he could get back from it you know obviously we don't know what he heard from his doctors but um it could just be that he's decided that he likes the the you know life on the sidelines that he enjoys coaching that he enjoys you know the analysis stuff that he's done for old glory and we know he enjoyed um, during the the pandemic enjoyed working with his brother as a um, tree surgeon so it could just be that he's he's got a taste for the the rest of life the the rest of non-rugby life and and doesn't want to go through the the effort and the the struggle of of trying to get his body healthy again because it is it's always seems to be tough for players when they they go down for a long period with injury you know it rehabbing takes a long time you're not just trying to get back to to fit you're trying to get back to your your old level of professional like able to play 80 minutes of rugby week in week out and it, it could just be that that level isn't attainable for him or he you know would take too long or he's got other goals in life so yeah well we wish Stan South the best Stan, Stan was a was a great interview shared a lot of insight on on the scrum and, and the line out and I'm, I'm hopeful that Stan can still be a part of the Old Glory organization we'll see and hey maybe yeah maybe you know a rehab, year or two off and some rehab and I, I'm sure that desire to play still burns in him and and we'll see but I have a feeling we, we haven't seen the last of Stan South in MLR in, or, in and around uh, USA rugby. I wonder if he's going to become one of those guys in a, a few years who you know, like ten, 10 years down the line or something, he'll be coaching for a team in MLR and then they'll have an injury, they'll be short on a lock, and they'll say, well, why don't we just put Stan in there? He's got, he's got the experience. We need some injury cover. There's precedent for that in the MLR. That's happened. That's happened with Dallas. That's happened with Atlanta, I believe. Happened with LA, um, too. LA, they put in their, yeah. their like, 42-year-olds... <laughs> Backs coach in at fly yeah. half for yeah. a couple of games, so it's possible. I hope I hope in five to ten years MLR is past the point where you know like that needs to happen, and the and the the, the depth and of the player pool is is far greater. But hey, you never know; that uh, could happen. All right, AKP, let's talk about that Seattle game. I don't want to, you know, mentally I've kind of moved on because I'm so focused now on what lies ahead and in such a crucial match against Nola Gold. But we got to do the postmortem. We got to talk a little bit about Seattle. In my mind, I really thought it was a tale of, of two halves here, right? Of course, we're talking about the fact that Old Glory 
Came up short, got away from Old Glory there in the second half. They lost 41-19, to did not get a table point. Had an opportunity to try and get that fourth try to at least get a table point. Um, did not happen, but AKP, what was your – give us your, your quick thoughts on uh, – you were at the game, beautiful weather there. Your thoughts yeah. after the clock ticked over 80. Well, when it clicked over 40 and we, we stopped for halftime, it definitely felt like we were really, really unlucky to be down by as much as we were. We probably should have been tied at that point. We were really controlling possession. We let them get some some really quick fire tries. But just like a lot of Seattle's game, we should have been in it. We should have been probably about tied with them. We had numerous opportunities to score, but then we just we completely lost it in the second half and just completely collapsed. Yeah, that first I'm watching that first half and I'm thinking to myself, Old Glory is hanging with the second best team in the Western Conference right now. I mean, arguably, you could say the best. They're right there with San Diego. As you mentioned, possession. I think we held the ball 62% of the time. We got the first score, which was huge. John Rizzo playing really well you know in that first half you know foodie did make a, a great steal on that one pass i think that was a great play um on his part but there were a couple we're gonna just jump into it there's a couple things that stuck out in my mind and that is i think this is something we've harped on before with the old glory but when you have the ball that much gotta score gotta convert got to get points there were a couple of instances in that first half there we were driving down there about five meters out there was a tackle and we lose the ball in the breakdown you know and that just like breaks it for you i there were probably and then the the palamo oh he slipped through he got through the tackle he's rolling to put the ball down and the ball just pops out it's like one of those things that everyone's been a part of but yeah that would that that was huge. That was huge. That because that would have been the second try in in the first half and setting us up really well going into halftime. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is I do think, you know, you never really want to talk about luck with sports, but there is luck in in sports, and this is one time when we were we were genuinely just unlucky. I mean, we did Palamo did absolutely everything necessary to score that try. He was in the right place. He was doing the right thing. And he, it just didn't work out. Like, nine times out of ten, he doesn't drop that ball. But, you know, this just, we were just unlucky that this was the, the time that he did. And like you say, that would have been... That would have got us our try bonus point. That would have put us up way better... In, in a way better place in halftime. And maybe energized the team for the second half. Maybe if they felt like they were in it. Um, I think it was a bit demoralizing for the team to be down what was it 19 to 7 at halftime despite having played really the better rugby in the first half and been dominant the first half and then and still to be to be down by that much and then they just sort of fell off in the second half Uh, which is also a bit unusual I mean we've talked about how this team has really kept their fire and, and fought back even when they've been down by a lot and they've been a great second half team and so it's it was a bit unusual to watch them sort of run out of fire in the second half. Yeah, and, and it's funny because you talk about Palamo. Palamo was a reserve. He was put in the game because Baker had to go off because he had a hamstring injury. 
So he goes off, and which is funny, right? Because, you know, the match day 23, AKP, you've been crushing it. I, I swear, maybe Old Glory DC coaching staff is listening to this podcast. They don't listen to me, they listen to you. Because you said, hey, what about Tito at 10 and Grady at 12? How cool would that be? And sure enough, look what happened. Tito 10, Grady at 12, Baker is at 15. Of course, Baker gets hurt, so Palamo has to come on at 12. Grady, what moved back to... A Grady moved to 10 and then Tito to 15. But Palama was, was in there because Baker got hurt. But I just want to go back and give you credit for suggesting that they should put Grady at at the center position. And it happened. But um, if Baker doesn't get hurt there, maybe he's in in that situation. I don't know. But like the reason why Palama was in is because he was yeah. – Baker had to come off. Yeah. Well, and it's worth noting, we lost a – I think the injuries are actually starting to have an effect on this team. I – it's sort of easy to forget, but you know, Stan South is is not on the team anymore. Um, we've lost, you know, I don't know where Herrera is, but he's he's not been not shown up for a while. We Marcos Young presumably would have been starting in this match if he hadn't gotten injured last week, and then mm-hmm. um, you had Rizzo went out of the match relatively early on as well. I think it was just after the start of the second half. Um, I could be wrong. I I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game because it was on FS2. Um, but then, and then Baker going out early. It's we really. I do sort of wonder if if we're now the, earlier on in the the season. Sims coach Sims was able to make selections based on who he thought was bringing the most fire, and we had it. That's part of why we had such an energetic team. Is he? He chose really based, less based on just skill and size and that stuff, but based on who was going to put in the hard work on defense, who was going to really be aggressive on attack. And it's harder to make. You can't make those choices when you don't have, when you're just saying, who do we have left? You know, who's yeah. who's left on the, the roster? So that could explain some of why, why things have, have felt a little lackluster recently well let's talk about it because last episode we talked about a little help from our friends in the eastern conference and sure enough old glory dc again getting help from their friends their frenemies in the eastern conference atlanta lost to utah they didn't get any table points new york lost to san diego they didn't get any table points so if you looked at last round versus this round second through six or fifth stayed the same nothing changed of course new england new england clinched uh, the top spot in the Eastern Conference, and they're going to host the Eastern Conference final for the second straight season in a row. But two, three, four, and five, nothing changed there in the playoff picture. So I got to ask AKP, at least in the standings, what changed in the playoff odds? Can we can we break down and run through the teams that are in contention in the Eastern Conference for the the two and three spot? Yeah, the um, the it's sort of, and this is true in the Western Conference too. Is like everything that had to happen this weekend for the the odds to barely change happened so everything is somehow it's which is crazy so these odds get very sensitive towards the end of the season literally anything changing a single bonus point can make a really really big difference at this stage because there's so few games left so few opportunities that every every little moment matters and yet somehow we've managed to have basically nothing change and it's it's incredibly unusual new york is a 93 percent chance to make it in they just 
they have a slightly easier schedule than us and they don't play Atlanta or NOLA. Um, no, wait, they do play Atlanta. They play Atlanta. They don't play NOLA. So that's sort of one less chance for someone to catch up on them. Old Glory is not that far behind. 86% chance to get in. Um, slightly improved from last week because there's been one less opportunity for Atlanta to catch them. And then Atlanta's at 11% and NOLA's at 9%. Um, NOLA's got the easier schedule the rest of the way, but the model thinks they're pretty bad. We'll get into that that later, but yeah, it's going to be tough for Atlanta and NOLA to catch us because they have, even if they beat us with a bonus point victory and keep us from getting anything, you know, Atlanta would still be a point behind and NOLA would still be two points behind. They they would then need to beat someone else or, or get a couple more bonus points than us, a few more bonus points than us for NOLA. And we're one of the best bonus point teams in the business, so there, there really aren't that many opportunities for either of those teams to catch up now. We're going to talk about the, the build-up to round 16 in a bit because there are some juicy matchups. New York's going to take on Dallas. Atlanta's taking on New England. So we'll talk about that in a second. But before we move past round 15, I did want to call out a couple of things. Um, Scrum have Danny Tusatala got his, what, his 50th cap for Old Glory DC? Yep. Old Glory's 50th MLR match and Danny Tusatala's 50th cap for Old Glory and 50th start for Old Glory. He's been, I was, I was doing the math. He's played 94% of the minutes that old glory has been on the field. Wow. That that's impressive. 3,750 minutes of 4,000 possible minutes. It's AKP. You need to share that. You need to tweet that out so I can retweet it. That's yeah. I I wrote an article. I just need to, uh, (laughs) I just need to post on Twitter. Um, yeah, he's, He's been an absolute key part of the team, just uh, absolute star for us. So, And he's on a multi-year contract, so he's not going anywhere too soon. Yep. Hopefully in 2025, we'll see him get his 75th cap. Mm-hmm. If he sticks around a couple of more years after that, we could see him get get 100 caps, be the first centurion for Old Glory. Wow. That would be that'd be awesome. And, and, and Danny's such a... Such a fierce competitor. Uh, you can tell he does not want to come off the field. And I'm sure he has played hurt and injured before, but what a beast. A couple other guys I want to call out real quickly. Good to see Doug Frazier out there and also him scoring a try. We haven't seen Dougie Frazier in a little bit. Yeah, just his second cap for the team um, yeah. this year, uh, despite being a pretty important part of previous teams. Yeah. Yeah. One more guy we got to call out. And I'll let you take it, because this was in your notes. Uh, Kyle Bailey, who might just be my favorite Canadian now. Yeah. Oh, grizzled Canadian just <laughs> stealing everything at the line-out. He's, he was so disruptive. And it's something we've seen the, since he's joined the team is the, our ability to attack other teams' line-outs is just so much better now. And our ability to hold our own line-out, too. There was a brief period there where we were really struggling on our own lineouts, and now it's it's pretty solid. So, thank goodness we have Kyle Bailey these days. <laughs> thank goodness we have Kyle Bailey these days. I love that. I love that thought. All right, AKP. 
I don't know about you, but you know, mentally, I've moved past Seattle because I'm so excited for round 16. These last three rounds in MLR with the Eastern Conference and Western Conference playoff chase is going to be so fun to watch, and I'm glad Oklahoma DC is right in the mix. So let's talk a little bit about uh, where things look in the Eastern Conference standings. Again, New England, they're at the top. They've got 53 points. Everyone's now played 13 games. And from here on out, every single team is going to be playing uh, the rest. There's no more buys. So we mentioned New England in first. They've already clinched the first seed and they'll host the Eastern Conference Final for the second season in a row. And then DC's in second, 33 points. Would have been nice to get a table point against Seattle, but ultimately didn't happen. New York third, 32 points. Atlanta fourth, 27 points. Nola is in fifth with 26 points. And then Toronto down there in sixth with 14 points. So let's talk a little bit about, we've been doing this every episode over the last four weeks, but our final stretch review, right? These were the these were the last seven games of the season, super important. I got to say a little uneven these last four games. Granted, you know, there was a win against Dallas that was cut short, the loss at home against New England, then at Toronto, the draw, which again... Uh, Quirk in the schedule, a little unfair for Old Glory on short rest. Would have been nice to have gotten the win there and a couple extra table points. And now this loss at home against Seattle. So there's only three games remaining in the regular season. This next one coming up at NOLA and then at Houston and closing out at home against Atlanta. We've talked over the last few weeks about the most important games for them to win. And those were those Eastern Conference games and beating Dallas. They beat Dallas. Should have beat Toronto. They didn't. They had a draw there. They did get table points. Now these next three, two of them Eastern Conference opponents, two of them in the playoff chase with a, with Nola Gold and Atlanta. I'm fired up for it, but AKP, you just mentioned earlier, Oakland DC has an 86% chance of qualifying for the playoffs, which is fantastic. But what needs to happen for OGDC to make the playoffs in these next three matches. Break it down for us. So if we don't win any games, um, but we we manage to pick up some bonus points, uh, we have about a 28% chance of making it in. And that that's just based on we already have a pretty good lead and there aren't that many opportunities for teams to catch us. Um, you look at Atlanta's probably the closest to catching us and they have i mean they're going to play new england they're going to play new york and they're going to play us that's a tough closing schedule so even if we don't win anything there's still a reasonable chance that we make it into the playoffs if we go one and two these last three matches we just pick up a single win we have an 89 percent chance of making it in um and then, you know, anything above that is basically 100%. If we can get two wins, especially three wins, then we're just guaranteed to get in. So let's talk about that. I would think if Oglory gets one more win, they make the playoffs, that that probably means, though, say no table points and whatever, probably the third seed, you know, unless... You know, New York's going to play... New York's got Dallas this round, and you know New York is going to is going to want to try and push for, for a big blowout score there. Obviously, the goal here is for Oakland DC to get the two seeds so they can host the Eastern Conference Eliminator game. But getting two wins, I would think, as you said, 99.99 chance of making the playoffs probably. And if you pick up a, a table point or two against Houston, 
we'd have to run the numbers, but I got to imagine that's a pretty good chance of landing the two seed and then hosting the Eastern Conference Eliminator. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. That's got to yeah. be the goal. That's got to be the goal. All right. Yeah, if you break that down that, really that, that consequence metric that I tried to talk last about last week. <laughs> yeah. So this is something I started calculating, and this, this sort of looks at the the opportunity for old glory to improve their playoff odds and the the risk of them of their playoff odds dropping so against interestingly enough all three matches of about the same opportunity we incre- we can increase our our playoff odds by 12% if we beat nola 10% if we beat houston or 11% if we beat atlanta so basically we beat anyone and we're probably in um, and it, it sort of doesn't matter who we beat uh, the as far as imp- if we if we can win as far as losing though if we lose to Nola it's we our playoff odds drop by 13 percent and if we lose to Atlanta our playoff odds drop by 14 percentage points whereas if we lose to Houston it only drops by six percentage points so the risk if we, we can afford to lose Houston and that won't affect our playoff odds that much. And so if we look at the, the sort of overall consequence of these matches, Nola and Atlanta are obviously the most two most consequential matches, 25% percentage point swing uh, win versus loss, and Atlanta is a 24 percentage point swing win versus loss, whereas Houston's only a 16 percentage point swing win versus loss so those are it's not exactly surprising that uh, nola and atlanta are two most consequential matches remaining because they're against in-conference foes but i thought it was interesting that the opportunity to improve our playoff odds is it sort of doesn't matter who we beat we just need to beat one of these three remaining teams it also yeah it don't matter who we beat but of course you know i'd, I'd love to not back into the playoffs right like i'd love to to get at least two wins here and then table points in in all the matches right just <clears throat> positive momentum moving into the playoffs gaining of confidence all of those things right all of like those intangible things that need to be calculated and everything we're talking about here the players for old glory and the coaching staff they know all of this we're not saying anything you know we're just spelling it out a little bit nerding out on some some stats and stuff but this is stuff that the Old Glory DC coaching staff knows. They know how important this Nola Gold game is. They know how important the Atlanta game is. And I skipped over Houston there just because we know those two Eastern Conference opponents. Beating them is so crucial to getting into the playoffs. So we got to talk about it. Let's talk about Nola Gold. They've got five wins, eight losses, 26 table points. They're fifth in the East. Is this team good? Is this team bad? What is going on with this team? Yeah, so they're, they've had a bit of a weird season. Um, and this is something, interestingly, that I was looking at the my model, and it, it really reflects this. They were they were pretty bad at the beginning of the season. They were... They just... They, they could not win anything. It looked like it was... They got really hyped up in the offseason, and then it looked like they just... They weren't going to be able to live up to that. And then suddenly, you know, just like that, middle of the season... They, they went on a tear. I think they beat New York out of nowhere very impressively, and they 
they really just turned everything around and suddenly it was like oh maybe they will live it up to their their promise maybe they're they're good now and they were for a few weeks and then they they really have fallen off that quite a bit recently so the model's back to assuming that they're not a good team and really not a good team actually the the model has them worse than than dallas right now and it's it's just really hard to to get a a lock on them yeah because if you look if you look just at the standings and you look at the points scored and 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 points for or points to points against they give up the third most points in mlr so this is a team that you can score on right they also have scored the second fewest points in the Eastern Conference, but if you look at it on paper, individually they've got some pieces there that are, are pretty interesting, right? Their their fly half, Rodney Iona, super rugby guy, he's kind of had an up and down season, but he's been one of the top, I think, point scorers in, in MLR. Tom Florence, their eight man, he's had a I think a, a great season. He had a little bit of an injury scare early on, but I mean other names like JP Duplassie, the center, he's a guy that I think Old Glory DC really needs to to key in on he's a he's a player who who can break the game line who can get a lot of points and, and score and they've got a couple other pieces I mean look you've got Dougie Fife former Scotland international former New England free jacks he's out there running on the wing and fullback you know Jordan trainer a couple of these guys they guys who can score I just don't know I I, I can't that's why I'm so excited about this game one it's a game that Old Glory DC I think has to win no more excuses they got to do it but it's a game on paper where I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, this is an opportunity for Ogori to really rough up Noah Gold and just end their season. I'm sorry, Noah Gold, but your season is over here, right? That should be the mindset going in to the game. Sorry, I went on a little mini rant there. But uh, what are your thoughts on on how Old Glory DC can beat Noah Gold? I mean, it's a lot of what you said. I think this is Old Glory's chance to really get their mojo back to find their game again it felt it's felt weird since since we got that off season or sorry that uh bye week it's hasn't quite come together dallas was a weird match because it was rainy it was right off the bye week and it got canceled at halftime and then we got demolished by new england which which wasn't great and then we toronto and then yeah toronto that tie was was weird and clearly a lot of tired legs we just weren't quite back into it then we play one of the best teams in the league in seattle and we struggle to finish but also just get a little unlucky not to to have that be a closer match and so it's we really haven't found our groove since that bye week and i think this is the opportunity to nola probably isn't a good team i don't want to say that too certainly because who knows if they're just going to turn around and suddenly be you know look like they're 2021 la and just you know cruise to an easy victory but this should be a chance for us to to really find ourselves this is an opponent who we should be able to beat but isn't an easy game that players will probably not be looking past this game or or getting ahead of themselves we have a full week's rest, and yeah, I I just want to see us settle back into our game plan and settle back into who we are. I really want to see the defense pick up. The defense against Seattle really struggled with a lot of things. There were a lot of missed tackles and a lot of 
missed key tackles, especially by the forwards in the interior, where they would just they would someone would shoot forward to make a tackle, and then they Seattle would break out of it, and that would give them a mini line break, which they could convert into a full line break, and that leaves the back scrambling to cover an overload on the back foot and that sort of stuff. There just seems to be a little bit of a fire lost mm-hmm. out of the defense recently. And if if we can refine that, then we have a real chance of being of making the playoffs and being going on a little run in the playoffs, being a a thorn in the side of New York and New England in the playoffs. But if we can't refine that, I I really wonder how mm-hmm the playoffs are going to go that could be well, yeah, kind of gruesome for I'm us sure nola gold is <clears throat> excuse me i'm sure nola gold is is eyeing old glory to ec's thinking this is a winnable game for us here they're going to be at home they need to get their mojo back as well we can harken back to round six last time these two teams played that was that game was at segra field and old glory came up short they lost by three on that one that was kind of a that was a sloppy game a lot of penalties a lot of you know, just kind of like busted play. And Old Glory did not play well in that, and, and Old Glory uh, lost, and, and, and Nola was able to escape with the win there. But Nola Gold's probably eyeing this saying, hey, this is a winnable game for us as well. Yes, we haven't played all that well the last few weeks, but if there's an opportunity for us to jump right back into and hang in that in the playoff conversation, this is it. This is where it starts now. So it should be uh, a very intense battle. So AKP, I've got to ask, you just said the model rates Dallas more highly than NOLA. What does the model say is going to happen here in this game? So the model isn't also has us being slightly below average right now, and NOLA's at home, so it only has Old Glory by one point. But it does favor Old Glory. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think both teams are, as you said, trying to figure themselves out, find themselves here in, in a critical time. That uh, Nola at home, yeah, Old Glory favored by one. I think that's fair. So, AKP, I'm going to put you on the hot seat first. Give me your score prediction for the game. I pretty, I have, I have a really good feeling. I know who you're going to pick to win, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick the New England Free Jacks. Bet you weren't <laughs> expecting that. No, I think Old Glory is going to win this. I think, I think they end up winning it comfortably. I think it's. I think it starts out a weird game. I think Nola actually takes the lead near halftime, but then Old Glory settles in, finds themselves, ends up winning by a, say, comfortable 12 points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. <clears throat> I'm with you. I think um, I think this is the game that Old Glory DC's Fords can really... I think this is going to be a game where Old Glory's DC, the Fords are really going to have to dominate. I really think our captain, uh, Jama, is really going to have a... Big game, a big impact. I see him playing well. I see Nico Jones, Bavaro. Kyle Bailey's going to be testy, edgy. I, I see that's probably where the strength's going to come and from from the from the scrums and really just dominating there, maintaining possession, and just as you said, finish. Let's finish. Let's get down there. Let's score some tries. Let's get the big boys over the try line. I like Old Glory to win this one. I think you're, I think you're about right. I think Old Glory... I'd love for them to get. Um, I think ten points. I think ten points is a, is a is an a is a reasonable suggestion, and I think they've got it in them too. And I think they have to find it in them if they really want to be. We keep talking about it. There's no more excuses now. Like put yeah. up or shut up, because like other uh, otherwise yeah. 
You, you, we are fortunate, Oklahoma is fortunate for the last two weeks not to lose any ground in the playoff chase without winning. But that's gonna that's not gonna happen these next three weeks. Yeah. And they really need to to prove that they're a team that deserves to make the playoff because the last four weeks or so they haven't really shown that. I mean, I'm like you say, no more excuses. We've been making excuses, oh it was rainy, oh it was after a bye week for Dallas, oh short turnaround for um, Toronto, oh New England and Seattle are the best team, some of the best teams in the league, but got unlucky against Seattle. But it's like we can't keep doing that. Eventually, yeah. this team needs to just win yeah. because that's what good teams do is they yep. win even when there are reasons that they should lose. And right now we're losing when there are reasons that we should lose. And if we want to be a really serious playoff team, not just make the playoffs like that'll be cool. That's the first time we've ever done that. It'll be cool to make the playoffs. But we want to win the playoffs. We want to have a chance. We don't want to just get there and then get blown out by New York or, you know, struggle to beat New York and then get blown out by New England. If we if we want to be a real team that other teams take seriously, we've got to start winning, even when there are reasons that we should lose. No more excuses. AKP, I think that was the entire podcast episode right there. We're going to cut the rest of the 30 <laughs> minutes or so that we've been talking. I'm just going to cut it down to that minute and a half. And boom, that is episode 19 of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> <sighs> Take a breath after Woo! that rant. No, that was great, man. That was fantastic. So it'll be easy to edit this episode. It's the minute and a half right there. Um, all right. So we've got Old Glory DC winning this one improving their chances to make the playoffs. Let's talk real quickly about the rest of round 16 because there are some other juicy matchups as well. Round 16 starts on Friday night. Love that. Atlanta at home versus the New England Free Jacks. What does the model say is going to happen here, AKP? So even with Atlanta at home, it favors New England by 13 points. The model just thinks New England is the absolute bee's knees, which I question, but they've got the results to back it up. So, What do you think is going to happen here, though? Because New England now has, has locked up the number the one seed, so they've got, they're going to host the Eastern Conference Finals, so they can start to rest some players here, and they're not going to just lie down, of course, and Atlanta needs to win this game. So there's a lot of interesting things at play here. I'm going to take New England by eight points. And I think it I think it ends up being a bit of a weird match. And this is something that I've seen in the numbers, is the model actually gets weirdly less predictive right at the end of the season because you get that the weird effect of the playoff teams just deciding to rest some players and prepare themselves for the, play, for the playoffs. But I think New England will... They're the, the world's most annoying MLR team, so now that LA doesn't exist anymore. So I think they'll do just enough to spoil Atlanta's chances, and right at the end there'll be a, I don't know, a penalty kick, or maybe they'll score a try at the end, and it'll just just put them ahead by just enough to stop Atlanta getting a bonus point. Yeah, I agree. New England, their depth is, they've got so much depth. I don't... I can't, I can't see Rugby ATL scoring four tries against New England's defense. And I think New yeah. England does enough and scores enough that Atlanta doesn't get any 
uh, table points in this match that I think, yeah, New England probably wins this one somewhere 8, 9, 10, something like that. For the record, I'll go New England by 10. Which would help out Old Glory tremendously, of course. Um, yeah. Second match in round 16, of course, is NOLA versus DC on Saturday. That's a 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. We predict DC to win that one. Third match, Toronto versus Houston. That's a Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Houston very much in that Western Conference chase that third spot there. I think they're in fourth trailing Utah, even though they're tied on table points. But I think Utah's beat them a couple times head-to-head. I just don't see Houston losing this match, even though they're they're traveling. The Arrows have looked better. You know, they, they play – they have – you know, fits and starts there where they looked okay against New England, but uh, I still think this is a game that Houston will get. Uh, I think it's a double-digit win for them. I'm going to go probably 10, 10 points for Houston. Yeah, maybe a little less confident. Houston really struggled to put away Chicago last this weekend. They they haven't looked that overly impressive. I think I have in my head this idea that they're still a good team which really was based on some great mid-season form but they haven't really been living up to that recently so i think they might be sneaky bad and the model actually agrees with me on this the model has houston by one okay and i might take houston by three Interesting. i think it i think it's close and i think houston sort of wins it near the end or they they put up a lead but toronto fights back i i think it ends up being close yeah. yeah, Houston definitely needs to win this one because if you, in the last game of, of round 16, we'll talk in a second, Seattle hosts Utah. That's a Sunday night, 10.30 Eastern p.m. kickoff. Let's just jump to that real quick since we're talking about it. Seattle at home against Utah. What does the model say is going to happen here? So the model has Seattle by 10. Wow. Which is a lot, partly home advantage, and also they're just one of the best teams, whereas Utah has been sort of up and down and therefore the model doesn't isn't really convinced by them yeah what do you think about average it's one of those where seattle probably still wants to win this they're not yet i mean they're locked into the playoffs pretty much but i don't think they're they still have a chance to challenge san diego for the Mm -hmm. top spots so but then again, Utah, they're fighting for their playoff lives. So I give me Seattle by five points, but yeah. not a confident five points. Yes, Seattle can catch San Diego and get the the, the top spot in the Western Conference. I don't really, th- I don't think Utah can really catch and surpass um, Seattle. But Seattle at home, I, I just think that's a game. That's a spot where a venue they're just not going to drop one to Utah to give them even more momentum and fire heading into the, the final two regular seasons of the game. Games of the regular season that I think Seattle wins this one. And it may be a little bit closer because Utah, I mean, Utah is just fun to watch and they, they will find a way to, to stay in it. Maybe just not getting close enough that I agree with you. I think I think this is a Seattle win probably by, I'll, I'll go maybe by seven. Maybe Utah gets a bonus point or two. Uh, <clears throat> next two, so we kind of skip to the end, but we'll go back. Chicago at home against San Diego. San Diego is playing for a record-setting 11th straight win. What does the model say is going to happen here? Well, the model has them getting it, um, taking it by nine points, and I sort of agree with that. I think 
I think San Diego has this in the bag. I think San Diego wins by more like 18 points. I think this is a chance for them to really build up that point differential and and separate themselves. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think San Diego wins this one. Yeah, I think they're they're going to win this one probably by 15 points. All right, I'm right there with you on that one. And then New York hosting Dallas. That's a Sunday 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. What's the model say is going to happen here? New York by nine points, which probably isn't surprising given how Dallas's season has gone. I think Dallas has a better chance than that, personally. I think they've looked a lot better in, in recent times. They should bring it to New York. I still think New York's going to win, but maybe New York by three instead of nine. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm going to go for it. I think um, I think Dallas wins this game. I'm going to go out there and say Dallas plays spoiler to New York. And New York may, New York's getting healthy. You know, Jack Height might be coming back. Brendan O'Connor, like, New York, we don't know. They'll probably have their a full healthy roster for this one, but I don't care. I'm going out with it anyway. Dallas is playing spoiler. I think Dallas wins this one right at the end. They take this one by three points. Yeah, I th- it's not as crazy a pick as it might seem. Tell yourself last year that you're picking Dallas to to beat New York in a game and probably have thought you were you'd gone insane but my notes say based on recent form yeah my new york's my notes say new york by seven but to heck with it i'm going dallas by three (laughs) (laughs) i don't even write down my picks before we do this i just pick it in the moment i know i'm gonna pick with my heart anyways so love it love it um oh boy akp i hope you've got um uh you know i hope you got some uh some calming exercises in your head. You know, you've, you've, you've got your breathing exercises because these next three rounds are going to be um, super intense. But AKP, you've been crushing it the last few weeks. Close us out with the final thoughts. No more excuses. It's time to win. Win the games that you that you need to win, even if there are reasons that you shouldn't. Alistair Kirschpool for the next Old Glory DC head coach right there for Alistair Kirschpool I am John Fitzpatrick thank you for listening to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast we'll catch you next week when we break down Old Glory DC's win against Old Glory let's go